Capital Crossover Podcast. We are back again, man, to talk about everybody's favorite team, the Washington Wizards. Um, I'm your boy, Jack. I'll be hosting as usual tonight. I'm going to kick it over to my man, Kyle, in a moment. We were without King Tex tonight. But you know me and Kyle are always going to do our thing. But what's going on, my boy, Kyle? How we feeling? Doing well. Doing well. You know, Thanksgiving was good. So that's that's the biggest thing. Got to see my family. Got to see some of my friends. Didn't get to see everybody, but... You know, next time we're going to be down there for uh, Christmas. So, all good on that. I'm up in PA, so. Yeah, we got to give a major shout out to Kyle um, and Tex. Uh, we, obviously, the three of us have been, you know, friends for a while now, but all three of us are in different locations. But that's how you know that the Wizards is an important uh, part of our lives. We got three people in, in you know, not not three different states and me and Tex in the same state, but three very you know, different areas, you know, coming together to put this podcast together. Shoot, the DMV might as well be a different state than Baltimore. It's two facts, different places. Facts, facts. I, yeah, I, you I, know I, that, though. We yeah, we know that, but a lot of Most people... Most people listening probably will get it, but, you know, I, I'm not sure who's listening at this point might be out of state. And they might be like, Tex live in Maryland and Jack live in Maryland. What's, you know, what's that mean? So, but if you know, you know. If you don't, you know. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, glad you had a good Thanksgiving, my boy. Sorry that I missed out on uh seeing y'all last week. I know we didn't end up putting it together. We originally had planned on putting together a you know a, a time last week when Kyle was going to be in town, um, to put it you know to get in the same room to do this podcast. But unfortunately, you know things kind of went sideways and we weren't able to do it. But you know we're always going to be able to come together to talk about our Wizards. Um, so since the last time we spoke, the Wizards kind of went down. In the bad, in the wrong direction. I'll just, I'll, I'll try to keep it copacetic and keep it, keep it simple and nice for this episode. Um, but to start off, we can start off on a positive note. Um, as of recording this episode last night, the Wizards pummeled the Minnesota Timberwolves um, behind a career high from Christoph Porzingis. Um, so I do want to swing it over to Kyle. I don't know if you caught the game and KP hooping last night, but at least started off on a positive note before we get into some of the, you know, the, the, the negatives. Um, Kyle, thoughts on KP and his career high 41 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves last night. I liked what he was doing. That's number one. I just want to get that out there. Like KP was doing his thing offensively. I don't feel like anybody played defense in this game at all, but like KP, I mean, he was doing things that reminded me of the old KP. I mean, shoot, this is better than the old KP, right? Because this is a career high offensively, at least. So one thing that I saw that he was doing was that, you know, he was running off of pick and pops, uh, getting open, finding that mid-range game. He was hitting threes at times, um, you know, getting to the bucket. That, those are the things that you want to see from KP. And the other thing, too, is, like, I really liked what I saw from Beal and uh, Kuz. This, when, we, when people say they want a big three, this is what you want to see from a big three. You want to see, you know, 20-plus points from all three of those guys. And you know, all three of those guys provided, um, you know, you also got off the bench. I mean, Jordan Goodwin and Corey Kisper both had, I mean, Corey Kisper had 11, Jordan Goodwin had 10, uh, you know, you had, you had other guys step up. Uh, Will Barton had nine points, you know, not, not exactly what you want, but I mean, he still stepped up a little bit and that's the thing. They need to get as much as they can get from everybody. Um, you know, we all we also saw Johnny Davis get three points. <laughs> we saw him get three points. I mean, that, 
the bar the bar is in hell right now for him. But like, you know, the thing is I'm trying to look at the positives. You know, give me give me the points. Um, you know, three points in four minutes isn't bad, but it's just sad that our first round pick is, you know, playing three four minutes. But hey, look, like I said, build your confidence up. Rome wasn't built over I mean it wasn't built in a night, so hey, do what you do, kid. Hopefully he hoops. I want I want him to do well. You know, I'm not going to be one of those people that are like, oh, they should get rid of him immediately, all this other stuff. It's like, do I like the situation that they're in? No, it, it's, it sucks. It, it sucks. But at the same time, like, I want this kid to, I want him to hoop. I want him to do well. So, you know, I'm rooting for him, but it's, damn, man, <laughs> first round pick that, I'm telling you, if they had another first-round pick, I like, you know, I, I think about Jalen Williams. I'm like, we had him, man. How different would this team look? I, I'd argue that I don't think it would look all that different, to be completely honest. It's just there's so many guys, regardless of Johnny Davis not being very good so far, um, I just – I don't – with all the guys that they have to give minutes to, I'm not sure that a, another rookie – unless it was, like – I'm trying to think of a guy who's, like, playing out of his mind. Like, obviously, Apollo or somebody, you know, had found their way in Washington or we had – you know, our luck had, had changed in the lottery. Yeah, but I just – I'm not sure how much we really would have gotten from a rookie because the, they've had to – you know, the rookies have had to come in the, – the past couple rookies they drafted in Rui, Denny, Kispert have had to come in and immediately play minutes. Right. So I think we finally are filling those voids of just rotational guys, which is not necessarily a positive in the way that they've gotten to this point. But I'm not sure how much a rookie really would have played that much this year, because I think they're finally looking at it as like, oh, we got Kuz, Brad, Kristaps, and then some role guys. This is the time for us to compete kind of thing. So I'm not sure um, how much a rookie, unless it was, you know, like I said, one of those guys who's immediately came in and been a star power type of player. I'm not sure that it would have looked you know, all of that different. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to harp on Johnny Davis as we know that he hasn't played up to the, you know, standard that you expect from a first-round pick. But, you know, we can worry about that down the line. Um, it was awesome to continue to see Christos Porzingis um, play up to the potential that we know that he can play at. Um, I think that this continues to prove that he is – you know, the key to the Wizards in general, in my opinion, I think having a guy who can be, a, you know, the secondary star, he was a secondary star in Dallas with Luka, but obviously the, you know, the tables are not the same in Washington, you know, got, you know, teams and, and fans aren't expecting as much from the Wizards as somebody expects from a Luka led Dallas team. And I just think the playing with Brad and, and not having this, you know, the high expectations has finally given Kristaps the chance to play, you know, at the level that we know that he can play and just be able to go out and play freely and, and and play like the, you know, the guy that he can be gets, you know, as many shots as he wants, is able to set up on the block, is able to, you know, go out on the perimeter and play, um, you know, stress the floor a little bit. I think that, you know, this is the perfect situation. I'm a Wizards fan, obviously, but I think that Chris Dawson was like, this is in the perfect situation. Doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to lead to a lot of winning, but it's nice to see Chris Dawson finally in a role where he can flourish. And I think that it's very cool to see. Um, and obviously that gets us into um, the other main, you know, cog that's, that's been happening since the last time we recorded it. And then the, you know, the continued, you know, star power that we're seeing from your boy, Kyle Kuzma. 
you know, we've obviously talked about him a fair amount on how high, a fair amount on how high the three of us are on Kuz. Um, but he's continued his tear since the last time we recorded. And the last time I checked, he was averaging something like 26 or something and, and seven or eight since the last time, you know, we, you know, we, you know, had our, our, you know, had our podcast. So Kyle, we, you know, how we feeling, you know, we're not going to harp too much on it because we obviously just know how good he's looked and we talk about him a lot, but, you know, let's talk about your boy, man. How, you know, what are we, how are we feeling about the continued dominance of Kyle Kuzma? I want to get your thoughts on that. Man, Kuz has been hooping. It's just as simple as that. I mean, the other thing too, is like, I really love the way that Kuz sets the tone for the rest of the team. Like no matter the, if that's making an extra pass or trying to get dirty on, on the rebounding game, or, you know, making it, making a smart shot. And, and sometimes, you know, Kuz is a little overzealous with certain shots. Um, but, you know, I think he's been playing pretty well. That, that's a given, you know, the, the biggest thing to me too, you know, I think back to that, that Dallas stretch. I mean, that Dallas game when he had 36 and, you know, it was just hustle plays. Like he was making the right plays. Um, you know, getting his nose in there. And that's what you want to see from a team leader. And I feel like it's starting to influence other guys on a team. Like yesterday when I saw Chris Stops, it seemed like Chris Stops was hustling. You know, this is a guy that has had an injury history, a guy who has, you know, been treated as cannon father, father at some times. But at the same time, you know, he's out here hustling, making plays, uh, you know, diving for balls, stuff like that. I mean, that's what you want to see from the rest of the team. Beal stepped up, you know, like for as much as for as much crap as we give him, you know, and I've been I've been a uh you know a huge proponent of uh giving Bradley Beal crap because, you know, making way too much money. But at the same time, like look, dude, if you're gonna give me as much he I mean he get he get he gave you what he needed to give you yesterday in that win. Um, I think he played well in the Celtics game even, you know, and I know they lost that game, but Beal stepped up. I mean, he played fine. It, it just, I just want to see something from some of the other guys. And I think that's the problem. It's like, if Beal's getting all of this money, how can you fill in with the other play pieces? But I mean, back to Kuz. <laughs> We see what he's doing. We see what Porzingis is doing. Um, you know, I, I like the way the big three is playing right now. Uh, I can't, I can't fault them. It just, it just sucks when you know the bench isn't up the snuff because, like, or you know, those two other starters aren't up the snuff like those three guys are. Yeah, I think the two two uh, points that I want to you know go off of based on what you said is the the first one being. Um, you know, about Kuz in the sense that obviously he's playing out of his mind, right? And playing like that third, you know, star that the Wizards are looking for. Um, but the other thing, the other main thing that I think that we're seeing Kuz, you know, develop into before our eyes is that leadership, you know, that we don't have, right? You know, I think that it's very clear. And I, you know, I don't really care how you feel about it. This is not a knock towards either of these two guys, but it's become very clear that regardless of how this team functions, that Bradley Beal and Chris Porzingis are just not leaders, right? It's just not really in their DNA. Um, you know, we can, you know, the Bradley Beal haters are going to agree with us, and I'm not trying to – this is not giving Brad shit. And the guys who are big 
you know, supporters of Brad are probably going to argue it, but I just, I think it's very clear going down the stretch that Bradley Beal and, and KP in particular, just not leaders. Right. And that doesn't mean that they can't be great players, right? Bradley Beal is still a great player as much as I, you know, you know, give, we, we ride him and, and, you know, he is maligned in, you know, wizards fandom, you know, they're just not leaders. Um, and I think that it's, you know, as we watch Kuz kind of come into his own, um, you know, it's nice to finally see just a leadership characteristic from anybody in Washington, you know, because we haven't really seen it a whole lot. You know, we had it for 10 seconds with Russell Westbrook. We know how that team functioned. But watching a guy like who's kind of come in and, and not be much of a leader beforehand because of the you know the situation he was in in L.A. and kind of get the chance to develop into, you know, a guy who can go out there and be a, you know, a general on the floor for these guys and, and you know, pick guys up when they're down be able to you know do what he can do it's it's nice to see you know at all is the kind of the point like you said the the bar is in hell but it's nice to see Kuz be able to go out there and do what he's been doing he's not some you know high-end you know leader Derek Fisher kind of guy out there right Kobe Bryant he's not you know any of those guys but it's I think it's nice to see in general um you know watch Kuz go out there and be able to you know develop this characteristic that we didn't know that he had, but he had the chance to to go out and show it, and he's been doing that. Do you feel uh, like he he got a little bit of influence from LeBron in in the sense of like how to conduct yourself? I mean, like every every guy's a pro coming into the league, but Kuz was a young guy that had an influence from LeBron early on. Do you feel like that rubbed off on him a little bit? I mean, yeah, that's never gonna hurt. Right. But to be completely honest, I think that Kuzma showing leadership characteristics is just blatantly a Kyle Kuzma thing, to be completely honest with you, bro. Does do any of those things hurt it? Does playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Dwight, not Dwight Howard, Jesus Christ. But um, <laughs> but I was just listening off some Dwight of Howard, a leader. Come on. Now. Yeah, that was yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was that was just a horrible, horrible decision. <laughs> um, but playing with just some of those other vets, do I think that that helped him of course but I think playing in DC for Kuz has just given him the opportunity to feel things out you know what I'm saying and I think the leadership characteristic is something that you know did did those other things help in LA of course but I think this is this is him having the chance to look at you know what his you know what his um I'm trying to think of the best word you know, what the best situation can be for him moving forward. And I think that playing in D.C. has given him the chance to develop those leadership characteristics and be able to figure out what the best, you know, type of guy he can be is moving forward. And I think that, you know, that leadership role can absolutely be a thing for him. And although, yes, did he play with Braun and A.D.? Absolutely. But, you know, I think he's coming into his own altogether as a leader, as a leader, Um so yeah, and then the other thing um, that I that I wanted to to discuss with you, Kyle, that you had um, you know mentioned a little bit was uh, was the the Brad the continued discussion around Bradley Beal, right? And he's always going to be a topic, regardless of you know what's going on um, when it comes to our Wizards. And Brad has played well. You know what I'm saying? He's still putting numbers up. He's still getting buckets. We're even even me, who, as you know, is I'm not a huge Beal guy. He still goes out, has been going out and hooping, right? And it just continues to show that Bradley Beal is always going to be a good basketball player. 
And it, but and I think that the problem with a lot of fans is they, the knock on Brad will you know kind of it's kind of turned into a knock where he's not good. But it's clear to us, I think, as in me and Kyle, that Bradley Beal is always going to go out and be a good basketball player. Yeah, mine and Kyle's issue and a lot of issues for fans, and I think that's the thing a lot of people are missing is is Bradley Beal is a great basketball player. He's just not the guy. Right. And I think this has continued to prove can prove continue just to prove mine and Kyle and Texas theory that yes, Bradley Beal is a good basketball player and he can go out and get, you know, put numbers up like he's been doing for the Wizards. It just doesn't always necessarily lead to winning. Yeah, it's not winning basketball. And that's the thing, like you'll never see Bradley Beal be the most efficient guy. You'll never see Bradley Beal. I mean, well, I won't say you'll never see that. I feel like that's not part of his DNA as a player, you know? And I, I think too, like when you got an alpha, like John wall being there and then other people saying kind of like, dang, you know, I see John wall taking up all the leadership role. You know, you got Paul Pierce, guys like that, taking up leadership roles on the team. You know, Bradley bill takes a little bit of a backseat in that sense. So that's tough to see from him you know I don't I don't think that you know it was something interesting that Roger Bell said on his podcast or not even not even necessarily Roger Bell but like some of the other guys in the the NBA show I think they they talked about a guy who played up a lot you know a guy that played against the older kids because they were better but it wasn't necessarily the best thing because when they played up with the older kids um, you know, those older kids kind of took the leadership role and that, that kid was kind of a punk, you know, being that young kid on the older team. But when you bring them back down with kids their age, and not, you know, now that I think about it, it wasn't it wasn't the podcast. It wasn't from Roger Bell and um and Logan Murdoch. I love that podcast, by the way. I I gotta give them a little bit of a plug, but they don't even need one. But it was a it was an athletic article that I was actually reading about soccer it was uh Tyler Adams who plays for the U.S. men's national team he dropped down levels to go play with some of these you know younger kids that were on the same age bracket as him and the thing is that helped his leadership a lot and I feel like Bradley Beal and a lot of other NBA players are so freaking good that they play up like three levels at AAU they're playing with the 16 year olds and they're 13 so, like, that's kind of hard to develop those leadership characteristics when you're the young guy and you got to yell at all these older guys. They're not going to listen to you. So now you're just a good player that doesn't necessarily have the voice on the team. And so I think with Beal, you can see that a little bit, that he was always the best of his brother. Like, for instance, look at his brothers. His brothers all played sports, too. They were all – I mean, he had a family full of great great athletes. But the thing is, he never really took that. Uh, you could tell, I, I could see like the, you know, the little brother role in him, even though he's so good and he should be able to say, hey, look, I'm I'm going to tell you guys how it needs to be. And I mean, that that's a little bit what I see from Bradley Bill. And it's not necessarily saying that, you know, he can't be somewhat of a leader by example, but the thing is, like, he's never going to be that guy that's going to be rah-rah and, uh, you know, get in your face and tell people tell people how it is like John Wall was. You know, that's not 
when I got to get that from Bradley Beal. Kuzma might give you something different, and he might be a little rah-rah, but he's not the same as John Wall was a whole different beast based off of, you know, everything that I've ever seen, like, in terms of just yelling at people and not in a bad way, but, like, yelling at people and saying, hey, look, I'm mad right now, but I, I just want you to do right. You know, I just want to point you in the right direction. And, like, that's not – Bradley Beal's not a yeller. He's not a – he's a guy that's going to tell you, but it's, like, kind of a matter-of-fact way. And I think that's what might bother people because it doesn't come off as, like, a, you know, alpha dog mentality. But, hey, look, he's still a good player. I mean, I just want to see a little bit more from – like, if he play if Bradley Beal is a great two-way player – then I don't think we would even be having this conversation. You know, even if he didn't have that, like, alpha mentality, if he was still a great two-way player, we would be like, oh, crap, look at that. But, like, him being just a scorer, just purely a scorer, it, you know, I think that's where the conversation lies as much. I So a couple a couple things <clears throat> that, you know, I'll, I'll respond to, is I do, I think this is the right time to kind of, you know, fully explain the thought on Brad in the sense that, you know, we, and it's, it's always going to be a conversational piece. And I, we, you, you know, we don't need to continue to, to talk about it because it's going to get talked about by everybody. But I think the thing with Brad that, you know, I, I don't even, I think that the issue, Kyle, I'm trying to get my point across and I can't even talk for some reason, but I think the problem is that, and I do disagree with you on one sense that I'm a, you know, that John Wall is my favorite player to ever lace up, you know, a, you know, on and step onto a basketball court. But I don't think that John was all that big of a leader either. And Brad is not clearly not a leader either. And it goes back to the issue of the wizards have found guys, you know, with Brad, with John, with Gil, who have they've had that they put, you know, they've had to put on, you know, put on the the front that they're these big mate, big time leaders, which they aren't. And I just don't think that they are. Um, I don't think John necessarily was. I don't think that Brad necessarily is. And it's the front that the Wizards have had to put on that they've had they've had these guys. They put a lot of foundation on these guys, and they're just not really leaders in general. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, the Wizards have put a lot of stock in the guys and had to put a lot of stock in the guys because they're not necessarily a great organization um, and found that they've had to put everything into guys like Brad, like John, like Gil. And they're that, you know, they can, you know, be good basketball players. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't always necessarily equate to being number ones and being leaders right um so i think that brad is going to continue to be their guy and he'll continue to be a great basketball player but it doesn't always equate to winning or leadership and i think that's where the issue comes in right it doesn't mean that bradley beal can't be a great basketball player he is a great basketball player right and i think that there's a, a a piece of it where fans and the wizards for that matter kind of get lost in the sauce because you can't necessarily figure out what the issue is and where the disconnect is, right? Yeah. And I, think and I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out there too. Your best player isn't always going to be your best leader, right? Like, I, I don't even, I mean, like, yeah, we, 
you know, me and you are both Ravens fans, and we always see Ray Lewis right there and then Ed Reed right there being the leaders, and they're the best players. And so, like, that's not always going to be the case. You know, Kobe, but yeah, he was a leader, but Kobe also wasn't a leader when he first started. Let's let's keep that a buck. Like, I mean, he wasn't a leader when he first got there. He was an asshole when he first got there. Um, but he developed that over time. Now, the thing is, if Bradley Bill. Bradley Beal is also in his 30s. He is who he is. That's just as simple as that. He is who he is. That they cannot expect him. And I think that's the problem. Like so many so many fans sit there and think, hey, this guy's the best player on the team. He should be the leader. That's not always the case. I've seen a bad locker room led by the best players. When I played football in high school, we had a we had a locker room that was like we were cool with each other. But, like, there was no particular leader because, like, our best players were trying to be leaders, but they weren't the best of leaders. Now, the thing is, like, if you have a guy that everyone respects, like, I I look at, like, Memphis, for instance. Memphis doesn't really have a leader per se. And this is why I think you got to get a – for me, the Wizards, they're just – it's, like, too far gone with Bradley Beal. He's too old at this point. Yep. And and that just is who it it is what it is cuz like the thing is I look at like uh you know the Warriors had Iguodala. You know, they brought in an established guy that that took that role of hey, I'm going to go to the bench. I'm going to go scrap for minutes and I'm going to be a guy that's going to be well respected. Now, I don't think the Wizards have that guy on it on the roster currently as constructed now. If the Suns, if we could lowball the Suns for Jay Crowder, I'd take him in a heartbeat as long as we don't have to give up who's. But that's the kind of person that you need in a locker room. And I don't think the Wizards have that. I don't even really think they've had it most of the time. The last time I can remember the Wizards having a guy in the locker room that was just like, I'm going to be a great leader. And I think it was two guys. I think it was split between Antoine Jameson, Anton Jameson and Karan Butler. Those two guys were more. You know, and I guess as close as you could get to that quintessential leader on squad, on the squad, more so than like, I, I feel like the guys of recent years, but even them, they had their flaws as well. Yeah, I think that, and this dude, it's so, it's craziness. Cause you know, everybody who knows me knows that I've always been very on, you know, very, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. Just not a huge Brad guy in the sense of, the player that he is, how much the Wizards, you know, put stock in him, how much he's paid, all that. But I'm almost like getting to a point where I'm almost becoming a Beal, you know, backer because you're looking at a guy who he's not the alpha. He's never going to be the alpha. We know that, right? He's never going to be a number one. He's not going to win us a championship. We can get that out of the way right now. But you look at it in the sense of, Brad hasn't done anything wrong since where the Wizards have been the ones that don't want to shell the money out, right? The Wizards have been the ones that are like, you're going to be our guy. That's not Brad's fault, right? You can't blame Brad for that. And then the other problem is the Wizards have decided that they're going to make Brad their guy, which is clearly a colossal mistake, right? But once you make that mistake, you can't go out and look at the fans and look at the press and go, we fucked up. You know what I'm saying? 
the Wizards have decided that Brad's going to be their guy. They've decided that Brad was going to be their guy when the wall situation, you know, was, you know, was going on a couple of years ago. So you can't really go out and look at the fans and be like, oh, damn, we gave 250 mil to this guy on our roster. We, we fucked up. We need to probably get rid of him. Right. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, you know, here we are. You, you know what you got. Right. Did they make a huge fucking mistake? Of course. But the Wizards can't really say anything. You know what I'm saying? They just they kind of just got to be like, hey, like they're not going to say we suck. We're not going to say we you know, we we've been fucking up drafting. We're not going to say we shouldn't have given Brad this contract. They just got to stick and move at this point. So, I, you know, I'm again, I'm not a huge Brad guy, but I'm almost finding myself becoming a Bradley Beal supporter because like the issues are being pointed in the wrong direction and they're not being yeah. stated fairly. I think that's the thing for me. Bradley Beal should is co- colossally overpaid. Bradley Beal is not a star is not a like I said before, not a star player realistically. He's a great player, he's not necessarily a number 1 star. But the Wizards put themselves in this position, right? So it's not it's not always on Brad. And I'm kind of getting to a point where fans are kind of fans in particular are kind of taking it to a a nasty place and putting a lot of it on Brad and which is fine cuz realistically we're not winning basketball games and that's always going to fall on star player. Right. Always happened with John. It happened with Gil. But you know what you're getting. And I think me and you in particular in text know what we're getting. So it's, it's almost harder to blame the guy that, you know, is not going to be that winner to begin with. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that at all. And, and that's the thing that bothers me so much, because it's like, like you said, it's getting ugly. Like I've heard people, you know, lash out at his wife and shit like that. Yeah. That's not cool. That's not cool. Like, I mean, that's number one. Like, I I hate the ugliness that sometimes, like, fans can bring. And, I mean, we knew what it is, like, with the Wizards. It's it's not Bill. It's not Wall's fault. It's not all these other guys' fault. It's the damn front office. The front office has been cheeks since day one. As long as I've been a Wizards fan, the front office has been cheeks. And, like, Tommy Shepard is no different. It's like, if you hire... My my biggest thing is like Ted Leons has literally hired somebody from the Ernie Grunfeld GM tree. Why? Why would you do that? Change everything. If you got to overpay to get Tim Connolly, why didn't you do that? Well, I don't understand that. Be careful. And and he was and he was well, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. But like, because we would have ended up with Gobert for five first, my boy. <laughs> I mean, that's also true. That's also true. But look at what he did in Denver. No, I know. Spread. But like, my my thing is like, it's so many other guys that you could have drafted over the years, and it's been twenty plus years at this point. Like, it, I mean, this is everybody always talks about how like Tommy Shepard is Grunfeldian. That's like the new term now. Like, he is just he is just an a, a carbon copy, damn near, of Ernie Grunfeld. It's certain things that he does better, like the trades. He's not bringing in some old, uh, washed-up uh, Mitch Richmond. <laughs> no offense to Mitch Richmond. Seems like a nice guy, but, hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, he was mid when he came to the Wizards. He's not saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to let Michael Jordan uh, dog walk the entire organization, yep. trade everybody, trade Rip Hamilton, yep. you know, do all this all this stupid crap with the team. Uh-huh. Uh It's just so many things. Like, I mean, Tommy Shepard might not be that, but, like, 
Tommy Shepard is super mid. If if even mid is is I don't even think he's mid. He's Reggie. <laughs> this man's Reggie. Like he's not he's not a good GM. He's not even he's not a top fifteen GM. So he's yeah. red. He's Reggie. Like yeah. he, he's terrible. I mean, he's not terrible, but he's but he's just a run of the mill GM. And the Wizards need somebody to come save them. And they need they need somebody that's gonna they need people that are gonna hold people accountable. Not one person in this organization is gonna hold anybody accountable. And it all starts up top. You already know who it is, but we're not gonna say his name because hey, he likes to uh, you know try to attempt to sue people, sending people Twitter DMs. But that's neither here nor there. You didn't hear that from me. Um, but I'm not saying his name on this pod because uh, he'd do that, but. It's all starts up top. That's that's. I mean, once if if he were to get rid of the team, if he were to sell the team, I think things possibly would change. That, that's part of it. The whole we will never tank. That's at this point, like what what would it hurt? What would it hurt? You know, I mean, now it would hurt a little bit because you're not going to get your draft pick. But like, you know. I mean that that's the problem. I just think this is like it, it's so frustrating to watch this because it's been the same. You know, it's a reason why everybody said maybe thirty, like the the win totals. Everybody's saying like thirty seven to like forty two. That's mid. That can't yeah. they can't stay like that. It, either you got to bottom out and blow everything up, or you got to try to go for it all. And they continue to half ass everything. And this and this record is a half ass record. It's eleven and ten. Half ass. Hundred percent. I think that i like all the stuff that you just said is kind of like it's beating the dead horse at this point. You're hundred percent right in everything you said, but it's kinda of like it's been the same issue. Realistically, this this issue started with the wall contract. And we all know that. We're not gonna harp on this, but the wall contract ended up it was fine at the time, considering wall situation, the injuries fucked everything up, and it just kind of that's kind of what started it all you know what i'm saying it's not john wall's fault it's not i'm not even going to blame the front office for that one because he you know you need to you know the supermax was meant for guys who you know want to stay on their small market teams or they totally understand why they shell that out but as soon as things fell apart you're 100 percent right when they decided they were going to get rid of ernie it should have been let's go somewhere else right tommy still fills that same you know role that messiah bit better he's you know his trades Should are been Masai. Uh, yeah well that you know that's not gonna happen that wasn't gonna happen um but you know his tommy's a solid trader the only problem is he ends up trading guys who he gave the contracts to um and yeah i mean you're 100 right does ted need to would we be order off of ted to the team absolutely he's not going to it, it makes him boatloads of money which is why like i've kind of gotten to a point where i have to watch the wizards with a grain of salt and i've kind of enjoyed watching them a little bit more of the grain of salt because i can just watch it game by game and be like oh wow like Kristoff dropped 40 last night it was awesome because if i watch it seriously like i used to i'm just gonna realize oh fucking great we dropped 40 but this is gonna lead to 40 and 42 we're gonna end up with the 15 pick and then we're gonna end up you know not making the playoffs again bouncing the first round and it is depressing my boy and you know that um Ted is the dark cloud, unfortunately, and we've known that for years. Um, but the the one thing I do want to harp on, if we're going to hop back into basketball before we head out of here, um, Kyle, I do want your more like X's and O's take on um, 
another issue that Tommy has, which is a lack of wing defending. Um, watching the, the last couple of games and a lot of losses, the one thing that stuck out is just the fact that nobody on the perimeter can seem to guard anybody. And I want to know what your suggestion is, is that, you know, more X's and O's base is that tr- making a trade for Jay Crowder, you know, you give up 40 to Shea, who's a beast, right? That's, that's a, not a knock to Shea, goes Alexander at, at all. But then a couple of nights later, you give up 37 to a Jason Tatum list Celtics team led by Jalen Brown who had the 37 and it's just kind of like as much as I will ride and die for my my dog Will Barton you know he hasn't looked great in Washington unfortunately I'm gonna ride for him and support him and think that he should play all the minutes he's been playing but he has not looked great over this last stretch so what is your opinion on this this uh perimeter defense and how they should move from there try to get Jay Crowder <laughs> that, that's literally it that that's all I have to say I mean not much more than that. I think Jay Crowder would bring an intensity level to this team that they need. Um, you know, I, I feel like they're lacking of it, the intensity. I mean, they got a bunch of choir boys on the team. They got they got a bunch of Jesus freaks on the team. Like, this not it's not enough. You need some you need some edge to you, and uh-huh. Jay Crowder brings that edge defensively. He's gonna score a little bit. You know, you don't need a great score on the wing, but just let Jay Crowder come in there and just start bullying people. That's it.